Welcome to Uncomfortable Is Okay, where we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone, navigating challenge, and doing the hard things that make life worth living. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Uncomfortable Is Okay is brought to you by Health Mentors. Health Mentors is a performance well-being company that helps change makers dial in their health and improve their performance in the middle of a chaotic world. We offer one-on-one health mentoring services, as well as a range of workshops and workplace solutions, all the way up to supporting organizations with their well-being strategy. You can find out more at healthmentors.nz or get in contact with Chris at healthmentors.nz. Welcome to Uncomfortable Is Okay. It's my pleasure today to have James Brummer-Taylor on the show. And James is a, a really good friend of mine, and mate, it's been it's been twenty years actually since we've we've first met way back first year university down in Otago. But since leaving university, James has embarked on an international career, which has seen him hold executive level roles and become a partner at two global consulting firms, Partners in Performance and Ali K. And like many of us, the 2020 onset of COVID changed things a little bit for James. He wasn't able to keep commuting weekly from Queenstown to Sydney and really wanted to focus more on family over career. So moving base and shifting base from Queenstown was was off the cards for, for him and his family. But in 2021, James and his wife Olivia took the decision to focus on New Zealand and, and being here, which has led James to leave his decade-long comfort zone in operational and strategic consulting to take on new challenges of being a venture capitalist and entrepreneur. James has a, he's got a, a real passion and affinity for high performance, whether that be personally or whether that being trying to help others and help businesses perform at a top level. JBT, mate, it's it's good to have you on the show. Gee, cheers, Chris, and thanks for the intro, well rehearsed. Oh yeah, well I'm a professional here, mate, and we're 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 not running a, we're not running an amateur outfit here. <laughs> I've done a couple of these by now, although this is the this is the first interview based recording that I've done in over two years for Uncomfortable Is Okay, so it's it's a special one, mate. You should feel honoured. Yeah, well, apparently 20 years as well. So, yeah, 20 years in, in two years. Welcome back to Uncomfortable's Okay. Great to be getting back into it. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wee while, but you're not 21, mate. So I want to kick things off by just asking, like, where where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yeah, yeah. So a bit of, bit of background. Grew up in Auckland. Went to Rosmany College. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good college. All boys school gave me a really good grounding in a whole bunch of foundational things. It's really performance oriented school. So probably set me up well for where I ended up professionally. But before I ended up as a professional, as you mentioned, I went to, went to Dunedin. I wasn't going to stay in Auckland to go to uni. And yeah, that was, that was a good challenge. It was... Yeah, the first year was a real finding your feet year where you're having to find the balance between sport, academia and, and socialising. So, yeah, interesting interesting first year at uni. And that I ended up representing Otago for hockey, which was which was pretty cool. Probably one of the, 
the highlights there was getting a varsity games gold i think that was like second year of uni or something like that can't exactly remember but that was probably also the point that i realized that i wasn't going to continue as a sports person and i probably needed to pick up a bit more on the academia and and probably stay level on the socializing which which i did i'm gonna cut in there mate what 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 kind of brought you to that decision that you didn't want to continue to pursue it was it was probably that it just wasn't lucrative enough to be fair like if i if i'm if i'm straight up and honest and also i thought i had a pretty good i should have a pretty good go at the academic side like i knew how much time i was putting into hockey and if i could repurpose all of that time into into studies then you know i might be actually make a really good fist of it rather than the uh, just getting enough to to get a c or a b then i might actually get some decent grades as well which yeah, if you look at my academic transcript, that seemed to be what happened as soon as I stopped playing sport. I actually did all right with my grades. <laughs> James, what has what are some of the the memories from those early years and through to university that have kind of put you on the path that you're on today? Yeah, well, from from high school, I guess if we jump back to there, Tom Gerard was the principal at the time, and I think he was like the principal for like thirty years or something at Rosemary College, and he was pretty pretty strong on the discipline, both like discipline in terms of like good behaviour, but also discipline in terms of like doing what you say you're going to do and and really getting high performance there was like a scoring system or like a card system at school that recorded how well you'd done on each subject each week and a whole heap of that stuff surprise surprise i've used it in different forms over and over again in my professional career nice so that's that's one what what else um then if you then if you yeah in the sporting in the sporting side i guess it's it's again it's quite similar like you to get to play top level sport probably doesn't matter whether it's it's rugby or or hockey or soccer or netball or whatever it is that you play you have to put a lot of time and effort into it you actually like you have to get to a level of fitness that is suits you for playing that that sort of level of sport you have to get up to a skill level that all comes with practice it, it doesn't come naturally that's like you have to do it hundreds and hundreds of times before you actually get good and you know if I think about my professional career I then do that all the time whatever it is you just have to you have to practice you have to rinse and repeat the first couple of times you do something it's normally bad but if you keep practicing you eventually you get pretty good mm. and is that a is that a lesson that you've learned from sport probably just yeah it's an interesting reflection. I probably did pick it up in sport. It's pretty baked into me from my grandfather as well, who just who was also pretty high performance, and so he would he would tell me you have to practice everything if you want to get good mm. at it. And then it's probably more of a realization as I as I grew up that yeah, practicing you just if you practice it more than everybody else, you tend to be better than everybody else, and and that really sets you up for success. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one actually, and that's kind of something that I'm playing with it at the moment in my head. Um, like I, it probably doesn't surprise you too much that I think of myself as as an athlete, basically because of the volume of of sport and physical activity that I've done over my life. And like as you know, I'm I'm starting off on this, the starting off this new venture with health mentors and and jumping into kind of my own business. Which is a little bit scary and a little, little bit exciting as well, but like 
my identity, I, I, I view myself as an athlete. So it's easy for me to go out and train and it's easy for me to go out and practice. I don't really view myself as a business person or an entrepreneur or however you want to, however you want to frame that up yet. But something that I've been, been playing with a little bit is like, okay, I can't believe that I'm a business person just yet because I haven't, I haven't proven myself. I haven't shown myself there, but to do the work that I need to do to get to that point, maybe I can think of myself as a business athlete and use that that helpful identity that I have as an athlete to pull over into this side of things and just think about it. Okay, what would an athlete do in this in this situation? Ah, cool. They would get in there and they'd practice their ideas and they'd practice having conversations with people and they'd practice articulating the value and they'd practice doing the delivery of the stuff that they needed to do and practice working on their product to get it sharp and, and get it better. Um, so that's that kind of... What you said there just kind of flicked that off in my head at, at that yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's an interest. It's an interesting one and and, and a good good pickup because that tended to be how, especially in the consulting environment, how I would try and get new appointments into consulting firms to think about their life as a consultant. Is that it's more it's more like you're a professional athlete than you are a business person in terms of the the time commitment, in terms of the number of times you're going to have to do. A financial model over and over again until you actually get good at it because the first couple of times you know whilst you can be smart you're probably not and it's yeah it's it's very similar so it's it's a really good pickup you can yeah think and i think that i think reflective practice that you have as well as an athlete when you're looking back over the games or you're looking um at those training sessions that didn't go particularly well is really helpful in other areas of your life um but it's not always something that we do automatically. We don't bring in that reflective practice looking at, at shit that's gone well and stuff that hasn't gone quite as well and, and trying to take that and learn from it next time. Yeah, and, yeah interesting interesting point again. I, I think someone like probably five or ten years ago now told me like you actually need to find time to think and... Yeah, that is the that is the ref, like the reflective time where you either review how you'd gone on whatever you were working on, or you've actually just got time to think about like what are you going to do next? Um, what are the things you're going to improve on? Yeah, and I don't know how many of us actually get that time or put that time in our diaries to do that reflective work, just to stop and think and like let ideas percolate around in our heads yeah yeah and i mean when i was traveling a lot i found that quite like that i would always do that on on airplanes or you know mostly on airplanes or you know taxis to airports and things like that post not traveling as much she had to like put time on my calendar otherwise i just wouldn't do it like i ended up just doing either more work and not having time to think or you know, you pick up a whole heap of other things around the house. Mm, yeah. And like we're, we've actually gone down quite a rabbit hole quite early in this conversation, but I think it's good stuff. If like, if people don't have, if people are working a job where they're just, things are back to back to back to back uh, and they don't, they've got some like maybe moderate control over their diary, minimal control over their diary, do you have any suggestions for where they fit that reflective time in? 
Yeah, well, I, it's probably more of a case of like working out where you can find it for yourself. That said, you pretty much you've got to make it go in somewhere. So I was actually having a conversation with one of our investee CEOs just last week that yeah, he really needed to start managing by his calendar, like actual block by block, and what's he going to be working on and. and each hour of the day effectively because otherwise there was more things for him to do than there is hours in the day and and then he's like oh I haven't had time to think about those things he's like well mate you've just got to put time in the calendar to do that otherwise it's just not going to happen and whilst it sounds potentially heavy-handed at the end of the day once you get to that level of performance there you've got more stuff to do than you've got time to do it Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's setting it up so that you can be proactive rather than reactive for most things. Like there's always going to be stuff that pops up that uh, you need to squeeze in somewhere. But for the bulk of the stuff, you know what's you know what's coming up and if it needs to be some reflective time, then actually kind of scheduling that I find it really helpful for me scheduling that in uh, uh I know or after I do something that I know is going to need some reflection around it. Like if I'm um, if I'm like delivering some ideas or doing, uh, having an important meeting, booking a little bit of time in either later that day or the next day for just to sit and uh, like do a debrief with myself around it is is really helpful and really really important. Yeah, yeah, and debriefing with yourself can be a lot harder than if you're debriefing with someone else that you've worked with. So if you've just done a meeting and there's two of you, it's pretty easy to like do that meeting straight away, jump on the phone and do the debrief. It can be quite hard to do the the self-reflection. And that's probably whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, to be fair. It's normally easier to review how things have gone and what things went badly and what things you're going to do better next time when there's two of you. But yeah, it's, it's, it is really about having that level of discipline to do those reflections. Yeah, yeah, and I think like it, maybe it's just starting to to try and do it automatically. Is when you book something important in your diary, then you book in a little block of time afterwards to to spend uh, yeah. just taking that that reflection, mate. I, I want to look back to university because you didn't start out doing business at university. You started out doing environmental science, is that right? Yeah, I was doing some form of science. I think I did do. I did some geography and some environmental science and I think I even did some physics and a few other things as, as well. It was probably more science oriented, probably because career counsellor at school suggested that was what I should do as opposed to me actually knowing what I what I should or had a passion for. So I think some of that, some of that science stuff has still served me pretty well because the, you know, just understanding science and stats and maths and all of those things physics is, is always pretty widely used but then yeah I just for whatever reason gravitated towards more business oriented stuff I think I ended up with a BCom in organizational behavior of all things um, but <laughs> that ended up being pretty useful as well because understanding how businesses work is, is pretty useful as well as understanding all of their finances and and everything else Yeah, 
probably how they work is is a more complex beast than uh, some of the other processes that they run. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably a full separate podcast on its own <laughs> to jump down that 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 <laughs> yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's I, I always found it pretty interesting the the dynamics of an organisation and and what made them perform more. Well, probably more more interesting what made them not perform because the high performing ones mm. yeah, you don't see them as often normally but probably as a consultant at least because they don't need help um although i would have described origin energy as a high performing organization that was um a very well oiled machine yeah yeah i mean that's that's probably a nice kind of segue into into t- talking about some of the the common problems that you see in businesses that that tend to be like the confronting ones for people um i'm sure there's a little bit of, there's a bit of process stuff that you do with people you're like actually change this process um and things will run more smoothly and people see oh yeah okay that makes sense let's go and, and action that but a lot of the stuff that you see, I'm sure, as well, is um, there's a lot more nuance to it. There's a lot more people stuff to it. Um, and those those problems are, are maybe a little bit more challenging for people to, one, firstly, wrap their head around, um, make some meaningful change around as well. So over, like, over all of your experience, do you see, like, have you seen some common stuff pop up? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and as you allude to, you can probably make quite a long list. So maybe I'll go through some ones that are pretty com, like even more common and, and definitely ones that if they do crop up are, are ones to address. And perhaps I should put a bit more context around just like some of the environments I've been in and, and where I've like witnessed these things or, or and both in whether it's a are good because I think sometimes you learn more from when you see things going well than perhaps in the consulting environment where I probably saw more things needing needing support and needing change. But I've like I've worked in or around or across many many big corporates, the likes of Air New Zealand, Les Mills. I think I mentioned Origin Energy before, APLNG, Saputo Alliance, AGL, um, JBS. GFG Alliance, which is a big steel company. So yeah, I've I've been in lots of different environments, whether that's like out on the front line with the workforce doing the manual work or whether that's been in the corporate head office. And a few things that come up pretty often. One is that most people need a purpose, a purpose in their day. And I'll come back to that one shortly. We'll just go through all five good disciplines. And I think we've touched on that several times already but it's it's a pretty cool one i think we're we're touching on the next one as well where when we're talking about time and diary but it's prioritization we've definitely touched on the the next one which is hard work there's just just no exchange for hard work You, you just have to put in the put in the work and then probably sounds a little bit cliche but the leadership and cultural fit is also a pretty common challenge that that confronts people in a working environment that's for sure but look if we just go back to the first one around the the need for a purpose it's can be quite common to encounter businesses that haven't quite nailed that purpose down whether that's a strategic direction or just a a clear set of purposes for a frontline workforce and being able to have that nailed down i guess gives people 
the ability to focus on the results and, and give them a reason to get up in the morning. And that's, pr- that's pretty important. Is like, if you've got a big workforce, everybody's going to have good days and bad days, but you want to have a good reason for getting up in the morning. In terms of the disciplines... Before yeah. you jump into the next one, mate, can, I think what might be really helpful for people listening in is if you maybe gave us a, like an idea or a starting point about, okay, and this stuff I think translate not ju- translates not just for business but also for ourselves as as individuals of, of things that we can um, of okay with purpose like if we don't feel that we have a purpose how can we start to think about that how can we start to develop that for ourselves or for our businesses yeah um, don't go real in the weeds but a couple of points would be it would be really interesting yeah Probably the, the, one, the one thing here is to have one thing, <laughs> is just find that one thing that gives you a level of purpose. Like I think you could probably easy drown in trying to come up with lots of things. Just like find something simple. You, like I watch a lot of professional athlete podcasts and things, and that almost all of them... Like if you're listening to what they say, they, most of them will say, oh, I'm just going to do one thing and I'm going to do it well. I'm just concentrating on whatever it is they're concentrating on improving that obviously they've got a higher purpose in terms of if they're a professional sporting athlete. So, but to improve, they just focus on that, those one or two things that they're going to improve on. So I think if I was um, giving giving out tips or 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 thoughts on how to create a purpose it's get something quite small and just focus on that and and nail that one small thing and you can then build and make it bigger and bigger yeah preferably something that's exciting for you it has to be has to be something that's exciting for you (laughs) kind of not going to get up uh and do something that you just don't find enjoyable especially for the first one right it's got to be yeah I mean, it's got to be something that gets you out of bed in the morning. So if it's if it's not going to excite you, then probably not the first thing to start with. Cool. Let's dive a little bit deeper on this. Uh, mate, if you roll, I just need to... Uh, so jump into it. I'll be right Sounds back. Good. Yeah, so on the, on the discipline stuff, you need to have a good discipline, right? It's not been like overly, overly tight and but you do need to have a really good discipline to to the point that you can get into a rhythm and then the the discipline is really about doing that rhythm over and over again so yeah i listen to a lot of music and if you listen to a lot of music it it's got a beat and a rhythm and that's really what you need to get into in your high performance life whether that's as a sports person or just a a day-to-day human or a, or a business person is to find that that rhythm. All of the top performers all have some form of rhythm, and that also makes them easy to interact with as well over time because you just work out what's their daily rhythm. And you're like, okay, can always talk to Chris in the morning because that works for him. You'll have someone else. Lisa will be really good in the afternoon because that's what works for her. But it, yeah, all of the best people that I've ever come across have got a really good set of disciplines and they have a they have a great rhythm Mm. how have you worked on your rhythm 
other than studying in the library to drum and bass and Metallica. <laughs> I've definitely got a wider audio collection than, than some old school Ed Rush and Optical and, and, and some thrash metal. But I, I think it is about, it has been, at least for me in more recent years, about really good calendar management. And so doing the same type of things at different parts of the day. So I'll normally well, obviously get up and have your breakfast and all of that sort of stuff I tend to not be in a morning exerciser it just doesn't really do it for me but I'll then go through and clear the decks of messages that I need to send out that's probably when I do the the most important thinking stuff is at the really start of the the day and then I'll spend the middle of the day either in meetings or talking to people and uh, I won't really pick up doing hardcore work productive work until later in the day again and that's that's a rhythm that works for me and and I can flex around that so obviously I can I can work all day if I need to but uh, yeah that, that and is that something that you've ex- experimented with over time to get to that realization that this is this is how if you think back to your, your university gags I probably had a fairly similar rhythm there where I'd I'd get through most of my well I think I did lectures in the morning I would go and either train or exercise or talk to people during the the middle of the day and I'd do my assignments in the evening. And so if you think back on it, I probably had that, that, that basic rhythm for quite a while. But then there's always stuff that comes up in life, right? So your rhythm always gets interrupted. And so it's, it's then really either how do you get back on rhythm or how do you make subtle modifications to that to, to make it work. Mm. And I guess that probably flows quite nicely into prioritization as well, is that you've, you've built this discipline that you've built, um, but a really important part of, of building that discipline and building that rhythm is knowing what the important shit is to put into it. Yeah, well, the important things to do, but I actually probably reckon the harder thing is knowing the stuff not to do. Most mm. people... Like they, they like to please everybody or they go, oh, I've got 20 things to do, so try and do all 20 of them. So I've actually found becoming comfortable with saying that some stuff is not going to get done is actually A, the harder thing, but B, the more important thing. And I deliberately choose the words becoming comfortable because you actually have to be comfortable that something is not going to happen if you've decided not to do it and it's therefore deprioritized someone's going to come back to you at some point in time and say why wasn't that thing done and you're like well i decided it's not going to be done or we agreed it's not going to be done that's that's really that that's probably really challenging and probably really confronting for people um i mean we live in this really busy society where there's this pressure of doing all of these things and ticking all of these boxes as well so I, I guess with with what you're talking about there, you probably need to be really clear on actually what is the reason behind me not doing this. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and how do you like how do you filter that well, in your head, or how do you assist people to yeah, filter prob- that? Probably two things there. One is that if it's like if it's not on strategy or not on your game plan, then then don't do it. But I guess to give an exercise related example, say you're training for a marathon, you're probably not going to do sprint training, right? Because you're, you're training for an endurance event. So 
I'm using that as a as a like a polar example of of course you you end up nuanced doing a bit of distance training when you're a sprint <laughs> sprint trainer or or vice versa. Then similarly, like if you're doing marathon training, you're not going to go and press he- lots and lots of heavy weights because you just don't want to be carrying that amount of muscle when you're trying to run a marathon. Or or the other way around, if you if you're really wanting to to bulk up, you're not going to do a lot of intensive endurance work. Um, you'll still do some cardio, but you just so it, it's it's those kind of choices. But then moved into everyday life um, or business life. Yeah. Uh, and so next one was hard work. Yeah. Probably don't need to elaborate too much on that, but give us your thoughts. Yeah, I think as, a, as, a, as I said, there's no real exchange for for hard work, to be fair. Though, those who work hard tend to do well. Um, they tend to be successful. Or if we're going back to that disciplines and rhythms thing, they just get to get more cycles in than everybody else. I think I famously had a, a conversation with a client one day who was quite amazed at the level of of performance improvement we were able to achieve and I was like well yeah there's a pretty subtle difference here (laughs) you're working eight hours a day and my team's doing 16 so we're just we're getting double through double the amount of stuff just on a straight hours for hours basis whether that's encountering challenges or making improvements yeah you're just you're getting through more stuff that's not to say you need to work 24 hours a day but you know you've got to put in work and, and efficient work Mm. Yeah, and I guess like, what's the what do you think is the balance between like number of hours and um, when the returns start to become diminishing? Yeah, like you, when you probably have to, is, is there a point where you need? <laughs> you probably have to ask some some academic who's done some kind of diminishing return study on effort and hours of sleep and all of that sort of stuff it's there's probably quite a bit of science in that that i i don't understand but it's it's really getting through all of the priority things that need to be worked through that in that same piece of work where i was giving that 18 uh, 8 versus 16 hour example there were periods where we would do days we would probably only do four because we didn't need that much time there was very light amount of touches on a few key things but there'll be other days we where you'd need to put in a, a lot more hours because a lot more contact time was required. So mm. I, I think, yeah, it's not like that. Oh, you, unless you put in 100-hour weeks, you're not going to make it because that's probably not true either. But, yeah, if you're only doing 20-hour weeks, you're probably going to come up sits, short. <laughs> yeah, I think it sits on top of your your other points as well as around um, kind of the discipline and the prioritization as well because you can put in a 16 hour day on stuff that doesn't really matter and does um so it's picking those it's picking those important things and and getting them done when they need to or getting as uh as it to happen um like to use exercise in, as an example as well like you we've had conversations that uh my children aren't particular uh, and on the days that I've had maybe three hours sleep, I, I don't want to do a, a gym session. I don't want to go and jump in and do some weights. So thinking, okay, what's the important stuff for me to do 
today? Like, what do I need to put my focus and my work? Um, that is going to benefit. Um, and on those days for me, it's it's spending, trying to hit my, um, which means that I need to get outside and go for a walk. Um, trying to make sure that I, I have my five plus vegetables. Try and make sure that I have eight glasses of water. So it's that it's it's that important stuff that I would do. Um, but it's also thinking about okay, from a prioritization perspective, like where does my effort go today, and where does my hard work go into on this day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can you can make you can make lots of examples, but I can I can recall when I do the Motatapu like most years, which is the mountain bike race between Glendo Bay and Arrowtown through the backcountry, and like travelling a lot, you you've only got a certain amount of a number of times you can potentially do exercise and I'm sure I've swapped messages with you a few times around what stretches should I be doing to to <laughs> yeah. address things so that you know when I do actually get home and are able to go for like a 50k bike ride that I'm actually ready to do it but you know the most priority the things that I can do on on those middle of the week days when I'm on and off airplanes and in and out of taxis and up and down lifts lifts uh, and office buildings and things like that is to you spend half an hour at either end of the day doing a whole bunch of stretches because that's what's going to serve you best so yeah it, I think you make some good points there Des around just figuring out even on a day-to-day basis what's the, what are the best priority things you can be working on given the situation you find yourself in yeah yeah and I think it's like hard work um, hard work is important but hard work for hard work's sake doesn't always move the um, mate in in the last one leadership and culture fit really f- interested to hear your thoughts on on this you've probably got a couple of sub points on this which uh probably sound more like life counseling than anything else but that, 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 that's good counsel <laughs> me couple, counsel of, me, couple of reflections um i think pretty early on i learned that there are some leaders that are probably not leaders. And so to be able to recognize them early is, is pretty important. And the other thing that sort of goes closely hand in hand with that is, is finding leaders that you mesh well with. Not, not every person is for, for every other person. It'd be a pretty boring world if that was the case. So finding those, those people or those leaders that you, you mesh well with is, is, is pretty important, but it's, it's essential to being able to get into the high performance zone because if you like the people you're working with, you'll just tend to go up another couple of levels and that enables you to to go above and beyond, either because the people you're working with inspire you or those those people you're just comfortable with so they kind of enable you to go into those uncomfortable zones and then get into things that can unlock high performance. Awesome, James. That was that was really fascinating to hear like your reflections on that and what you've seen over over a long period of time working in this space. I want to flip it a little bit and I want to talk about you and I want to talk about the change that you made last year, stepping away from from your comfort zone as a, as a consultant and jumping in with with one of your mates to step into into a different world. Do you want to talk me through talk me through what happened there? Yeah, well, I think everybody's familiar with with COVID turning up, and probably through 
2020 it was it was pretty fine everybody was dealing with with similar things but as we progressed into 2021 it sort of became clear to me that my weekly commute between Queenstown and Sydney wasn't really going to be something that was on the cards anytime soon and so then to be an effective advisor to all of my clients was probably challenged at that point in time but also the, the, you know you come across lots of other things in, in your in your travels right and one of the things I, I came across was or did some work in was the New Zealand ag tech ecosystem and I became quite intrigued with how that ecosystem is developing and and what things we're doing really well in New Zealand and also where some of the gaps are and one of the one of the really big gaps in that ecosystem is the availability of people with great commercial and strategic skill sets to be able to support founders who have fantastic technical or scientific or engineering skill sets. And I just saw that as an opportunity as a, okay, I'm not going to be traveling, I'm going to be more focused on New Zealand. Why not jump more into that space broader than just ag tech but you know New Zealand's pretty good at ag stuff so that's where I got into it and then my mate Andrew Christie was also coming back from Aussie at that point in time we were looking at investing in a few other businesses but they were probably more stable small businesses that you know as we looked into them more were probably overpriced as well and so I said to Andy how about we move a bit more into the venture space. I've got a lot of leads and deal flow in the space. Let's go and look at a few of those businesses. And yeah, we haven't really looked back from, uh, call it field days last year was kind of the point where we went around field days. We went and met with heaps of people and yeah, we just we just kept on going from there and, and moved into yeah, more, more venture capital, but not just writing checks, also helping Folks, there are a whole heap of these things that we've just been discussing uh, about prioritizing your day and getting a discipline and and all of these things as well. Nice man. Was it a was it a scary decision for you and you and for your family? Yeah, pro- I mean, I don't know if scary is probably the, necessarily the word I would use, but definitely confronting and uncomfortable would come would would come to come to front of mind confronting because you've got to make a pretty big switch from you know working in a consulting firm where you know, I think probably everybody knows that a lot of consultants do pretty well once you've got to the top of the food chain you can do pretty well for yourself the opportunity cost of changing is pretty high and then uncomfortable well because you're gonna move into something that's probably a little less certain right you don't quite know what way it's going to go. You can obviously do all of the things we've talked about to be to optimize or maximize your ability to perform well. Still, it's not that it's not that certain. It's not that sure. So you're kind of finding your way, overcoming a whole heap of a whole heap of new challenges. Like I think I've mentioned to you before, all of my network was an Aussie. Really, I didn't have a big network beyond friends, but not a big network around Queenstown or anything like that. I didn't have a need to. So building all of that that network up, you know, 
takes time. We, you know, Andy and I had to decide on, we couldn't just say, oh, yeah, we're going to invest in ag tech businesses because that's a bit loosey-goosey. We actually had to come down with a proper thesis that we can invest against and, and test our due diligence. And then we actually had to go and find all of the the deals and you know the number of the number of businesses you look at and do due diligence on is is ridiculous like we probably did i think i the last count at the end of last year when when we're adding them up was we were well over 40 that him and i had looked at which probably was over 100 million dollars worth of deals that we've only invested in three of them (laughs) so there's a there's there's just you know to the hard work thing there's just a lot of a lot of hard work and 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 plenty of people that along the way will say well, you you don't know what you're doing you're not going to make it you guys haven't been in this space before i probably beg to differ i've probably been in this space quite a bit it just was on wearing a different hat mm. <laughs> what was but yeah there's, like, there's what was helpful yeah what was helpful for you through that process for like dealing with the naysayers but also dealing with that internal uncertainty that you had was like is this going to is this going to work am i going to pull this off <laughs> yeah probably still don't know if it's going to work to be fair but <laughs> i think that's where you lean back on your your self-confidence but also your ability to you know Get the balance between glass half full and glass half empty, I think. That's the old Stockton paradox. <laughs> if you're too optimistic, then all of the, the nasty things come and bite you. But at the same time, as if you're too pessimistic, then you're not actually going to do anything. And so it's you know, calling on a bit of both. You have to have a level of confidence, which is you believe in yourself, but also you know, having, having your wits about you to recognise stuff that might not be what you want to get into and you Talking about those forty plus odd deals, there are plenty in there that probably wouldn't have been good things to get into. Could have could have tripped us up early. Yeah, and and I guess with those deals, like was the theme of them was it always when you were getting into your due, due diligence was it always kind of something in the something in the numbers or something in the process that flagged up for you, or was it sometimes just into intuition? You were just like. No, something about this doesn't feel quite right, and I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty um, numbers, and back to the discipline thing, we're, you know, we're, we're pretty tight on making sure we understand the numbers of a business, understand markets, all of those things. So those, those classic due diligence elements are normally the, the flags for us. But then one of my mates calls it the spidey senses go off and sometimes you just like, this doesn't feel right, whether it's the people or whether it's the business or something you've been told. Sometimes you just have a, a, a spidey sense that it, it's not something for you. And then even just meeting and talking with some of the folks, you just say, okay, you, you might have a great business, but it's kind of to that leadership point that I was making before. If you don't think you can get along and work well with people then maybe that's not something for you to get into pick a pick a different one because you know it's just going to be clash after clash that's not that productive yeah completely agree with that one mate james 
How do you go about proactively building your capacity to take on challenges and to take on uncertainty? Yeah, I think it's back to this old repetition thing. It's building up a level of fitness or comfort with being uncomfortable is is probably the best thing you can do for you know, building that capacity to, whether it's proactively or reactively, take on challenge. You've done heaps of marathon training, so I'm pretty sure marathon training is not that comfortable some days. Uh, but you've still got to... Get out and get out and do it. So, yeah, it, it is around going. Yep, okay. I've got the capacity to go through the pain because I know what's going to come out on the other side. Yeah, and for you, are you like if you're if you're doing that stuff? Are there things that you do sometimes just because you know that they're going to be uncomfortable, just to build your capacity? Or is it always, or is it always purpose driven? Yeah, that's a that's a, a really good question. And if I, if I'm honest, I probably haven't thought about it in that way. Haven't really thought that I'd deliberately go out and do something that would really, really make me uncomfortable. But probably I do sometimes, or just be comfortable enough to step into an awkward environment that you're not quite sure what's going to happen, but. Be like, well, I should go and jump into this environment just to see where it goes or where it where it takes you. It's prob- probably more the case. I, yeah, in terms of like physical training, I probably wouldn't deliberately go into anything that's like well, well beyond um, what I think I'm capable of. But that's because I find with, at least I find myself with physical training, it's kind of a case of like build it up, build it up, build it up for for an event as opposed to just go way, way beyond where you're potentially capable of. Yeah, yeah. Like from a physical perspective, that is, that wouldn't be my professional advice as a physiotherapist either is just kind of going way beyond what you have been, been working at previously. Bump it, bump it up progressively. <clears throat> Mate... Like yeah. you're you're all about strategy and and planning and prioritization and, and building building good rhythms. Do you have frameworks that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? I mean, we've probably touched on it a little bit already. Yeah, I wouldn't. And this is coming from a consultant that's got more frameworks than you know frames that go into a house. I wouldn't say I necessarily use a bunch of frameworks, but definitely some some things to to think about is probably where more I'd, I'd, t- I'd take this one and I don't know if it, probably some of your listeners have watched the movie Fog of War by Robert Strange McNamara but it's a, it's an interesting one and he's got like 11 things that he that he goes through for for dealing with with challenge or just being successful so that, that's that's a good one i used to have that printed out on my desk for a wee while i don't know where that, that laminate's gone i'm probably sure i've got it in a box somewhere but a couple of things from mine one's around building confidence but how do you do that in in my mind that's about biting off small things and just chalking up the small ones and but to your your professional advice on physical training you just don't go for the massive win all at once 
the, yeah. the big exercise routine because it's probably not going to come off same for anything else just get get a few chalk up a few small ones and suddenly a few small ones turn into a turn into pretty big ones we've probably done my next one to death but you know it's practice it's just that that rinse and repeat it yeah it can be at times pretty boring but it does work yeah and just to to throw in a a thrash metal example here i think phil anselmo who's from pantera not probably one of my most listened bands but (laughs) phil anselmo did have a pretty good point and that's you know get out and gig and eat rice and gig again and eat more rice it's just if you want to get get good do lots of the same over and over again we've we've talked about prioritizing effort quite a few times but there's something to be said for that just because you've only got so much time and it's the it's the commodity that is hardest to deal with like you can always if you're if you're working on an hourly rate if your demand goes up then you can just push the price up and so you can always do that but you can't necessarily get more hours in the day so being prioritized is is pretty important you've probably picked it up through a lot of the things i've been saying but really taking accountability like for yourself is is pretty important i actually had a, a guy quite some time ago say to me that that was probably one of my best traits is that i have some uncanny knack of just assuming accountability but if you flip that round the other way i think taking accountability is pretty important if you're if you're abstinent on accountability then you're just not going to be taking ownership of outcomes i think i can get another another music do it analogy or an example in 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 here but it's good good rage against the machine quote around know your enemy but it's that's just around like understanding what you're going to be getting into understanding potential scenarios that could play out i mean you you're probably not, not going to get them all, but if you've got a good a, a good understanding of a few different things that could happen when you're taking on a challenge, you're going to be better prepared for those few adverse things that are probably going to crop up. So the more you can understand the challenge you're taking on, the the better you're probably going to have it, have it getting over it or, or making a success. Then... And I think you do this all the, all the time as well. Is just getting the getting the data or getting the information. Like what what are the what are the facts? What's actually you can do a few things by feel, but you know, if you're looking for results, then you you have to really make sure that they're measured results because that's the only real way you'll know they're happening. Like yeah, the two hour marathon is a timed event because it's yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, how do you know you're the fastest marathon runner in the world? Yeah. So that's pretty important. And then, like, if you're trying to overcome any challenge, and, and you touched on it earlier, you've you've got to be having fun. And sometimes there's, there's just no exchange for having fun and having a passion for something. You'd be surprised how many people can, can make massive breakthroughs just because they think it's fun and they've got a real passion for it and they can do all of the hard work and everything else but they can just break through yeah i'd I'd 100 percent agree with that especially for proactive challenges for reactive challenges uh, not like 
it does I don't think it always needs to be fun, but I think there needs to be meaning associated with it. It, it needs to be something important to you because like COVID, for example, not a whole heap of fun, but some of the challenges that have been associated with it have the ones that we've kind of continued to push through have been the ones that have been really, really meaningful. And there might be kind of drops of fun that have been in there, but for the most part, it's it's something that you've you've just had to get through and you've just got to keep going with. And like, there's been a lot of stuff that a lot of people have just walked away from because it's been that challenging and it hasn't been meaningful to them. So I think definitely proactively, like fun is super important. Reactively, I don't know if it always needs to be top of the list. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably why I put it at, at, the, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome, bro. How do you look after your health? Yeah, it probably goes back to some of that, that stuff we, we were talking about just before around around proactively preparing yourself for challenges. So, yeah, I'm pretty big on, on exercising, and no surprise, I live in Queenstown, so, yeah, there's, there's plenty of things, you know, mountain biking, skiing, golfing. I like to throw a few weights around as well. I tend to do a lot of things with other people. Lifting weights is probably one of the ones where you can just go into your own zone. It's you versus gravity, so um, it's it's just one of those those things that I find quite good. Decompressing is is pretty important and you know decompressing for different people means different things. You know, some people like to meditate, some people like to read a book or, or whatever it is. I tend to I tend to listen to music or or meet up with a, a couple of close friends, like not heaps of friends and, and you know have a few have a couple of red wines and just download with trusted and you can just share a few thoughts you'd be surprised how often people that are close to you are dealing with similar challenges and yeah that that can really help decompress also i find talking with people is is pretty useful for you know either gaining energy or gaining different perspectives on the world you mentioned COVID a few times but that was certainly something that that helped me i was working at home a whole lot and then got an office in Queenstown that's shared amongst a bunch of other folks and that was really helpful because you just get up from your desk and have a coffee and you talk to a couple of other people no surprises everybody's dealing with the same <laughs> the same sets of challenges but it, that suddenly makes those those challenges look a whole lot smaller because you're like okay well everybody else is doing this so kind of all that together it's probably not so bad uh, but when you're sitting inside your own home office it can seem like much more of a mountain to overcome. And another one is, and we talked about it earlier, is making time to think. And I actually certainly noticed it through the COVID period where you know, I could go from click to click to click to click and I'd never have any thinking time. And you, know, you do click to click every half an hour, every hour on a virtual meeting and your day, day disappears pretty quickly. <laughs> but you just have no thinking time. So you just, your head's just fuzzy by the end of it and having that thinking time I think is is pretty important to just figuring out where you're at what's important what's not important well if it's like planning your next day or your next week or whatever it is but you just need 
you don't need, you do need to create thinking time and all of those things kind of at least for me they help with with your health and then if i was to put the last bit on it it's kind of like the the people that are around you like knowing what's important to them is is pretty important as well because otherwise you can end up thinking you're doing a whole heap of good stuff but yeah if the people closest to you don't think that it's good stuff then you might, might need to change slightly or a lot depending on, on what what you've been doing so yeah that you you, you mentioned yeah you know, your boys don't like to sleep sometimes well yeah that that's something that you're factoring into your day-to-day -day health at this point in time good thing is my boys are a bit older and they tend to sleep through the night yeah. so you know, things things will change over time looking, although, looking forward to that to day, get mate. up at five oh look one of them likes to get up at 5 a.m so yeah yeah <laughs> if, I, if i end up working till 2 a.m in the morning and and getting through a whole heap of stuff i might be waking up three hours later yeah delightful james mate it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure i think like i've recorded coming up on 300 of these episodes and haven't actually sat down with my best mate to have a conversation around this stuff so it's been it's been great to to have it on have you on and, and it's been a real long time coming and hopefully people have enjoyed this i've got a lot out of it i found a lot of a lot of interesting stuff from it and one of the things that we were we were having a talk about was having a catch up regularly sitting down recording it and just kind of talking about performance and how we can look to perform better as individuals and perform better as businesses and some strategies and some mental skills around that as well and i don't know what we call it maybe like the performance corner on the podcast lock one of those in every month or six weeks so if you're still keen on that after after this conversation it would be good to have you back as a as a regular contributor to the you probably haven't uh, put me off yet, Des. So, and, and yeah, congratulations again on the whatever it is, 300 plus episodes. And yeah, it'd be great to be talking about whatever the audience is interested in hearing about around performance. And obviously, you and I have got a lifelong experience in, in driving performance in different arenas, but it depends what different folks want to hear about. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with us today. I always love these conversations. If you want to have a, hear a guest, if you want to have a topic explored, if you want to ask a question, please send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz uh, and we can get onto that for you. If you want to support the show, the best way that you can do that is subscribe on your favourite podcast app and make sure to share it out with some of your mates as well. Thank you to Health Mentors, the sponsor of the show today. If you want to improve your health and your performance in the middle of a chaotic world, make sure to check out healthmentors.nz or send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz for a no-obligation chat. Thank you so much to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music to the show. And thank you to you guys for tuning in and listening all the way to the end. We'll see you all again next week.